the second season of the Truth As I See It podcast. The first season focused on fairly lighthearted stories of discovery and adventure. The second season, it's a bit darker, and these stories explore some of the dirt that gets caught in between, the good times and the bad times. There will be graphic language at times and descriptions that might not be so child-friendly, so consider yourself warned. And thank you for listening. Doctor by Tim Akamoff. When you step off the plane in Fiji, it's like stepping off a boat on the island of Hawaii only a hundred years ago. There are no skyscrapers near the Nadi airport, just sugarcane fields as far as you can see. Our pilot dumped us off on the tarmac like a load of bad produce. Turns out a cyclone was skirting the northern edge of Viti Levu, the main island, and he needed to get the rest of his passengers on their way to New Zealand out ahead of that storm. We attempted to secure the plastic flaps that served as windows on the old bus we took into Nandi town. But the outer bands were already brushing our area with strong winds and sideways rain. We were soaked, and it was dark when we arrived at the village we were staying at. I was 18, and I was on a two-month trip to Fiji with about 30 other young people from Hawaii. Our goal was to work with local churches to build some new structures, plant gardens, and help out in a home for troubled youth, and otherwise find ourselves in the South Pacific. A tall Fijian man wearing what looked like a long skirt and carrying an actual torch, not just the British version of a flashlight, showed us to a small hut with two bunk beds. I remember being extremely tired and just crashing on the bed in my clothes, and the last sound I heard was the howling wind outside. I slept on a bottom bunk, but I woke to something dripping on my arm. I leaned out from under the bunk bed and was surprised to see the sky. The straw hut had come apart in the storm. The cyclone didn't hit directly, but it lashed the northern part of Viti Levu so violently that the region flooded and suffered severe wind damage. I remember blinking a few times, thinking I was dreaming, but the image just got brighter. I smacked the side of the bunk and asked my bunkmate James if he was okay. I think so, was all I heard from somewhere that sounded far away. I got up and discovered James was covered in what remained of the roof. There was straw everywhere. Then I looked around below me and nearly crawled out of my skin. The ground was teeming with toads. I mean, there were thousands of toads, as big as my hand. It looked like one of the plagues of Egypt. There were so many toads, in fact, and I was so freaked out that I nearly tried to crawl up on James's bed. Then I realized there were four of us sleeping in the little hut, so I dug out the other two guys who were oblivious to the carnage. We spent most of the next week cleaning up and repairing the huts damaged in the brush with the cyclone. I actually learned how to rethatch a grass hut, a skill I never thought I needed to know, but which I guess I'm glad I do now. 
In the evenings, we swam in the little river at the back of the property. The Fijian women were very modest and clothed themselves in Indian saris in addition to their bathing suits. The men swam in shorts and t-shirts. To put it lightly, the Methodist church is a strong influence in Fiji. After a week of working on grass huts, swimming and learning to dance in the evenings, I began to feel a pain in my lower back. The bad beds and repetitive labor seemed to make it worse. The Fijians suggested I go to hospital in Suva, but I didn't feel like it was that bad. A local Nandian guy suggested I go visit a local doctor, but everyone we stayed with said he was a witch doctor. The local guy just shrugged and told us he always went to that good local doctor because he could fix anything. We were supposed to head to Lautoka to take a boat to Vanua Levu, the northern island, in a few days, so a trip to Suva was really out of the question. After spending a couple of days in bed, our team leader gave in and said I could go see the local guy, or maybe get an adjustment or something. The local Nandian guy took me into Nandi in the back of an old Toyota pickup truck, which did nothing to help my pain in my back. By the time we arrived, I was covered in dust and I couldn't stand up without help. I managed to get into the office with the man's help, but I couldn't sit down again, so I laid down on the floor. There was no nurse, no slip of paper to fill out announcing the reason for my visit, and no appointment necessary, just a waiting room filled with people carrying chickens, bags of kava, and fish heads. The local guy told me I'd need to pay for the service, but we didn't stop to buy a chicken. He figured $5 US currency would make the guy happy. I laid on the floor for what seemed like an hour, and I swear nobody was getting called into the office. They all just sat there fanning themselves with sandalwood fans. My local guide left after he dropped me off, but most Fijians speak English, so he told me just to ask for help when I was called. I felt exceedingly foolish laying there on the floor, but nobody tried to talk to me, so I just closed my eyes and waited. Finally, a rather rotund lady with three kids got up and walked into the office. That was when I realized nobody called you, you just got up and went in as soon as someone came out. There was obviously some unspoken system or organizational principle at play, I just didn't know it. This went on for like two or three hours, and I finally just asked, can anyone help me get up and get into the office? A big fro suddenly appeared in my field of vision, and a tallish teenage boy looked at me and offered his hand. I took it, and he fairly threw me like a javelin into a standing position. My back erupted in fire, and I would have doubled over if the discs in my back allowed. The door was open, and only the teenager and two others were in the waiting room. I hobbled like 20 or so steps to the open door and peeked in. I bellowed a painful hello and stepped inside. The place instantly freaked me out. The room was dark and smoky with some kind of incense-like smell pervading everything. I think it was burning sandalwood, but there were all kinds of strange implements, and my mind kept telling me that another quarter turn of my head would reveal a bushel of shrunken heads. A tiny man sat at a desk at the end of the room going through a file that contained plastic bags. He didn't look Fijian, but he didn't look Indian either. He looked like Frogman wearing thick glasses with a squat appearance where his chin went straight into his shoulders. Your back hurts you, he said, more than asked. I told him that it did, and as I started to tell him where, he waved his hand. I know, I know, he said in a thick, vaguely Indian accent. Your back troubles you on the lower left side. At this point, I was back up toward the door. But I started to wonder if I had told someone in the waiting room, and they related to the old man. I second-guessed myself, and then he told me to come over to his desk. I walked up and noticed a huge stone grinder, several sifters, and piles of dried herbs. He went through his files until he found something and then pulled out a plastic bag containing some dried grass-looking thing with what appeared to be twigs. He came around the desk and lifted my shirt in one swift move and put his hand right on the spot where my back hurt the most. 
just off center to the left side, about two hands above my hips. The whole area felt warm when he touched it. Then he walked back to his desk and dumped the contents of the plastic bag into a wooden bowl, added some kava from a larger bowl off to the side that I hadn't noticed before, and stuck a brown stained cloth into the mixture. He wrung the rag out over the bowl and balled it up and walked around the desk again. He lifted my shirt and put the cloth up against my skin. Everything went numb, and a soothing chill spread up my spine. I realized I had been standing on my tiptoes the whole time, when my back relaxed and I felt my heels touch the ground finally. He just held the rag in place for what seemed like five or ten minutes. Then he walked around the desk again and put the rag into the bowl. He wrung it out once more and did the same thing to my back. This time I could feel my whole body relax, to the point where normal movement was possible again. He hadn't said anything the whole time. He would just breathe through his nose, which resulted in a bit of a whistling sound. Even that was soothing, I thought. I leaned forward a bit and placed my hands on the desk as the strain of standing for so long without moving caught up with me. He reached around and pushed my chest back up to force me to stand tall. Not ready quite yet, he said in a prolonged stammer. I asked him what was in the medicine. Some herbs from here and there, he told me. Is that kava, I asked. Yes, it's an analgesic which helps the inflammation go down, he replied. Finally, he took the rag off my back and pulled my shirt back down. He walked back around the desk and dropped the rag into the bowl and started rifling through his files again. He pulled out a small baggie containing tiny hair-like fibers, what looked like dried seaweed and some black things that looked like about the size of a mustard seed. Make a tincture of this and drink it every day for a week, he told me, and handed me the baggie. I brought out the $5 bill and handed it to him. He unwrinkled it, folded it in half, and smiled and nodded. He didn't say anything else, just went back to rifling through his files of herbs. And it didn't seem very witch doctory to me. It was more like a natural path. But whenever I told people I'd gone to the old man for help with my back, they tisked, tisked me with their tongues and called him the witch doctor, especially the Methodists. I walked out of his office feeling no pain at all. I walked all the way through Nandi, bought a couple of dress Zulus at one of the stalls, and then hitchhiked back to the property where we were staying. After almost an hour in a bumpy truck, my back didn't feel like it ever hurt me. I slept in the grass hut that night with no pain at all, just dreams that another cyclone came and knocked down all the grass. I thought about the old witch doctor the rest of the trip, and when people asked me, I told them I'd go back there for help in a heartbeat. They just scolded me and said I should go to the hospital like all the other Polongis. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He told me, This podcast was produced by Akamafia Productions. Any relationship to real events or people is probably not a coincidence. The words and memories are my own and may contain traces of the truth. Music, as always, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You can catch the entire first season of the Truth As I See It podcast on SoundCloud.
can keep your love from me just like you were a miser. And all I needed was very smart. So I went out to find myself a guy up for my miser. Walla walla, bang bang.